0: Healthy and Happy, a program sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NCU-FM. It's NCU 91.1, 91.3, and of course, 91.5, your education and wellness station. We have an exciting program lined up for you, so you can't afford to go anywhere. We'll be right back after this break. He
1: is exalted, the King is exalted.
0: Thank you for keeping it locked to healthy and happy right here on NCUFM, NCU 91.13 and 5. I'm your host for this evening, Adis Jonas Murphy, and joining me in studio is the one and only Dr. John Anthony Price. Yes, for those of you who know him, he is a general surgeon. That means he, um, I, was just, I was actually joking with him before we came on here, and I'm saying, so Dr. Cut up, people. Well, you tell us a little bit more as we focus on the topic peptic ulcer disease. We're transitioning to issues of the stomach. So of course, who better to help us than our general surgeon, in-studio Dr. John Anthony Price. Welcome, Doc. How are you?
2: Thank you so much, Adisa. I'm doing great. Thanks Wonderful. for having me.
0: Uh, we were joking, you know, <laughs> having a light <laughs> moment before we came on. Um, and I was saying, say, so cut up people. And I was sharing with you that my chicken experience, yes, you know, yes. me cutting <laughs> chicken and seeing what was inside the <laughs> chicken for the first time in my life. Y- you have to deal with, uh, you know, getting on the inside yes. of persons. How's yes. that experience been for you?
2: And you know, it's never really bothered me, Adisa. I mean, even from med school times when, <laughs> you know, we have a little blood-taking experience and sometimes when people are taking blood, they pass out and oh, stuff. It's Lord. never been something that's really bothered me at all. I've always been comfortable with the idea, um, and always something I wanted to do.
0: Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Well, um, you know there must be the strong <laughs> among us. So I'm happy about <laughs> that. Uh, what is it that led you into medicine, Doc?
2: Ah, oh, wow. Well, I've always just had this passion for helping people, and I was really drawn to health part of it, mm-hmm. and I was kind of also drawn to the sciences in high school. And after completing the sciences, putting everything together, I said, why not medicine? And I've really enjoyed it. You know, I've really enjoyed that aspect of being able to help people in terms of their health. Mm -hmm. Something I'm quite devoted to and continue to pursue.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh All right. You know, now is a great time for you to just shout out your your alma mater. (laughs) So I'm going to give you an opportunity, like, you know, a couple of seconds to just say hi to the folk at?
2: Well, you don't have to say hello to all those at Campion College, thanks to all the (laughs) teachers there. And then, of course, the University of the West Indies, Mm -hmm. Mona Campus. Pelican, always. Yes, yes, yes.
0: I mean, no offense to my NCU family, I'm just saying. (laughs) 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 All right, so peptic ulcer disease, PUD. What is this all about, Doc? Talk to us.
2: Alright, so peptic ulcers are really defects that are located mostly in the stomach and in the duodenum. And this is usually caused by an imbalance in essentially the aggressive parts mm-hmm. and the defensive parts. Okay. So the stomach has various cells and it produces acid which aid in the absorption of the food that we eat. Mm-hmm. And so it also has some protective mechanisms which help to protect from that same acid. And so usually when there's this imbalance between that acid production and then the defensive mechanisms of the stomach, Mm -hmm. there can be some breakdown of that barrier and it forms these defects which we call ulcers.
0: Mm, Yeah. And I I know for those of you who are listening to this and you may have been diagnosed with PUD, peptic ulcer disease, it's quite painful, can be quite painful. But let's look at the causes, though. Um, Is it true that um, if you don't have a regular eating pattern, this leads to it?
2: Yeah, so that is something that has always been speculated. um, And to be honest, is just some very small studies that have been done on it. A Mm -hmm. couple of them do, however, confirm that, yes, irregular eating habits or deviating from your meals regularly um, do contribute to the development of peptic ulcers. Mm -hmm. Um, But the main causes that we found which cause peptic ulcer disease are a special bacteria in the stomach called Helicobacter pylori, also mercy. called H. pylori for short. Yes, yeah, so
0: just just kind of um, repeat that, sir, because I'm learning too. So, yes, um, yes, yes. Break that down into ten syllables.
2: <laughs> no problem. So that's called Helico, That's the one word there. That's the first word, and then uh-huh. pylori.
0: Oh mercy! All right. So just call
2: uh-huh. it H. pylori for okay. short. Yes. Um. So that's a bacteria that was discovered, and that's present in, you know, almost half of the world's population, a little over half of the world's population. Here in Jamaica, estimated probably about 60% of the population mm-hmm. does have that bacteria residing in their stomach. Mm. Um, and that bacteria, some people won't even know it's there or ever have symptoms from it. But then right. when it does start to act up, it can cause these peptic ulcers, cause inflammation of the stomach as well. Mm-hmm. Um, another significant contributing factor is the use of what we call NSAIDs, which are those painkillers that people take a lot like arthritis pain musculoskeletal pain so we're mm-hmm. talking about like your advil your cataphyl, your voltarin oh, wow. those are NSAIDs mm-hmm. and so what those actually do is block a particular hormone um, which is responsible for maintaining uh, maintaining a lot of those defensive mechanisms of the mm-hmm. stomach mm-hmm. and so when it blocks that hormone a lot of those defensive mechanisms also Get broken down or stop working and predisposes the patients to form ulcers
0: mm. yeah. um let, let's go back a little bit you mentioned the h pylori bacteria how does it get there like is that we just persons are just born with it or is it consumption of food over a period of time you know with bacteria in it that transfers to the stomach how yeah does that
2: so i mean sometimes it is from the young age during birth but also just in close contact with people Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure exactly how it gets there per se but just Mm -hmm. in contact with people who have h pylori Mm. you can get h pylori as well and so there's it's known to have like increased incidence even among those gastroenterologists who may be doing regular scopes Mm -hmm. um on people looking into their stomach those people have a higher incidence as well right um and then it's just present Mm. yeah
0: Interesting. Now, you're a doctor, and um, the good thing is we have the opportunity now in this conversation to kind of um, get into your doctor's chair. So when somebody comes to your office to see you and they're describing symptoms of peptic ulcer disease, you will want to, of course, ensure that your diagnosis uh, fits or matches their symptoms. So walk us through, how do you diagnose somebody who seemingly has symptoms of this disease.
2: Right, so a lot of times these patients will come in just complaining of this discomfort in their abdomen, this pain in their abdomen, which is the most common symptom. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: this pain is usually localized to the upper part of the abdomen, usually in the middle, Mm -hmm. where we call the epigastrium. Mm -hmm. And so they have this pain there, sometimes burning in nature, and then it's usually described after meals. Um, depending on the presence of the where the ulcer is located, whether it is in the stomach or the duodenum, mm-hmm. the timing of the pain after the meals tends to vary. Mm. Um, sometimes the ones in the stomach can come on very soon after the meal, sometimes even before. And the duodenal ulcers tend to take a little while, a couple of hours after you mm-hmm. eat for the pain to start. Then there's also those patients who may feel nauseous with it. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's those subset of patients who may have complicated peptic ulcer disease in mm. terms of ulcers can sometimes bleed so they may have vomiting with blood being passed. Sometimes they complain that they have this black tarry stool that is being passed and that sometimes represents a bleeding ulcer. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask these kind of questions to see.
0: Wow. Well, you just hinted at it a little bit, um, some of the signs and symptoms. Let's get full force into, into looking at some of the signs and symptoms of uh, PUD, peptic ulcer disease.
2: Sure. So Like I was saying, the most common symptom will really just be what we call dyspepsia, which is just this vague epigastric discomfort or pain Mm -hmm. which the patients will complain with um, in relation to meals. Mm. Um, There may be associated nausea. Some may have vomiting as well. The vomiting, if the ulcer is bleeding, may also contain not just the food that was eaten, but also some blood in the vomit as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, Those ulcers that bleed also tend to produce this black tarry stool, Mm -hmm. which is when the blood passes through the GI tract, And undergo certain changes then it will come out looking black and tarry. Mm -hmm. Those people who have this bleeding ulcer may also have anemic symptoms as Mm -hmm. well. So they may feel weak at times especially when they're um, exercising Mm -hmm. or any kind of physical activity. They may feel easily fatigued. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you usually examine them as well, check their mucous membrane, see if it looks pink or pale Mm -hmm. to see if they have any anemia. And then they have complications of peptic ulcer disease. One of the most severe complications, apart from bleeding, is also what we call perforation, mm-hmm. where the ulcer may actually erode right through the wall of the stomach or the duodenum. And oh. those patients will usually present in severe abdominal pain, mm-hmm. um, usually may be initially located in the epigastrium, but will generally spread to the remainder of the abdomen, mm-hmm. may have associated vomiting as well. Mm. Um, and those usually will present to the hospital. Right. And...
0: But that usually happens over a period of time though, I mean the the pain would I imagine start out a little bit faint and then it, it metastasizes and and gets severe or is it that there can be a sudden onset of just severe so pain? So there
2: can be that sudden onset, um, mm. usually if you delve into the history a little more they will tell you that they have been feeling this on and off background. kind of pain mm-hmm. in the background that they kind of ignored mm-hmm. but then that pain would usually come as a sudden onset pain.
0: Mm. Yes. Wow. All right. well, for those of you who are just tuning in, I'm having a conversation with Dr. John Anthony Price. He is a general surgeon. Yes, (laughs) that means he cuts people, right? He's a general surgeon and we're we're talking about peptic ulcer disease. So, of course, we've defined uh, peptic ulcers. We've looked at the causes and also uh, how we go about diagnosing it. But, you know, we just spoke about some of the signs and symptoms and I I want to reiterate for those of you who are just tuning in. um, Of course, the uh, the presence of the abdominal uh, discomfort in the upper. Remember, sound like a doctor, like, the upper gastric, <laughs> The um, upper abdomen, or the, epigastrium, up. the epigastrium, <laughs> <Well, almost laughs> <make it>, the <though. laughs> <laughs> Right. So, in the upper stomach, <laughs> you know, um, some individuals may present with uh, vomiting or uh, vomiting blood. Uh, you know, so so the vomit may appear red or black. You know, along with the, the contents that uh, were consumed, uh, dark stools or you know blood in your stools yeah. in addition to that some persons may also present with anemic symptoms so you may feel faint from time to time um but doc what about unexplained weight loss appetite changes and even perhaps trouble breathing
1: are those yes
2: definitely so i mean when you when you're considering peptic ulcer disease you have these warning signs that you also need to ask about and think about mm-hmm. so unexplained weight loss is one of those and when you have that you also need to be cued into the fact that it could be a little bit more than just peptic ulcer disease. There may mm. be a cancer on board as well, mm. because these gastric ulcers um, also have a risk of malignancy there. Mm. So patients with unexplained weight loss, um, mm. that is something that should definitely be in the back of mm. our minds as well.
0: Um, and and peptic ulcers are what we Jamaicans would normally just say. It's an ulcer, right? It's ulcer. It's the same yeah, thing. yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the correlation between peptic ulcers and uh, um, perhaps a stomach cancer, whether it's you know um, colon or colorectal, what, whatever. Uh, what is the likelihood of uh, these stomach ulcers developing into into cancers?
2: All right. So I mean. There's an increased risk with the gastric ulcers rather than the duodenal ulcers. Mm-hmm. And then there are different types of cancers which also may develop from them. Mm-hmm. So, if we're talking about H. pylori being present and being the main risk factor, H. pylori itself can cause various cancers in the stomach as well. Um, mm-hmm. Lymphomas, in particular, is what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also the risk of the I don't want to call it the regular stomach cancer, but the -hmm. the main type of stomach cancer, which is what we call an adenocarcinoma, Mm -hmm. um, there's also the risk of transformation there as Mm -hmm. well. So usually if we do find an ulcer, we like to biopsy it to always check for the presence of any changes in those cells, if there's any changes to malignancy Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well.
0: But, you know, um, I'm hearing the thread of the H. pylori bacteria. Mm -hmm. Is there any way of testing if I have that bacteria?
2: Yes, yes, certainly there are various tests that are available. Um, These tests, we usually divide them into invasive or non-invasive tests. Mm -hmm. So there is an invasive test where the gastroenterologist or surgeon can pass a scope down the mouth, look Mm -hmm. into the stomach. Mm -hmm. So we're looking with a camera Mm -hmm. and then they can take biopsies of the stomach pieces of the stomach, mm-hmm. and then there are either some rapid kits that you can use to test for the presence of it, mm-hmm. or we can send it off to the lab to test as well if there's H. pylori present. Mm-hmm. There's a special breath test that you, can, that you can do where they drink a special substance that mm-hmm. is radio-labeled, and then when you breathe out, um, it can be tested to see if there's a particular substance there, because H. pylori produces a certain enzyme mm-hmm. that causes the change that, you can, that we can check for. Then there's blood tests, so we can check in the blood Mm -hmm. to detect the presence of H. Pylori. There, there's stool tests also that we can use. So various tests, uh, which
0: is the most accurate.
2: So, um, in general, the most accurate would actually be biopsying the stomach (laughs) and testing it there. Uh Because that
0: breath one that you mentioned, I'm saying I wonder, you know, what what's the what's the percentage of accuracy on that one? Um, You know, compared to the others. Compared
2: to the others. Mm The stool tests are also fairly accurate as well. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the blood tests, mm-hmm. those ones are a little less accurate because even after we treat the H. pylori, mm-hmm. you still may detect it in the blood. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to use that one to mm-hmm. detect it if you've treated the patient there. Mm-hmm, got yeah. you.
0: So now, you know, somebody has been diagnosed with with this disease from their their doctor. Um, you know, based on the signs and symptoms presented, we're looking at control mechanisms or even, well, treatment. Let's start there. How do we treat uh, peptic ulcers?
2: Okay, so once it's confirmed that the patient does indeed have peptic ulcer disease,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, with H. pylori being one of the main risk factors, I also want to determine the presence of that. Um, If that is present, then we want to do what we call H. pylori eradication, Mm -hmm. which is where we treat them with antibiotics as well as an acid inhibitor, what we call a proton pump inhibitor. Mm -hmm. Um, So the patient receives a course of that, which is usually about two weeks, and then they continue on that proton pump inhibitor for another couple of weeks Mm -hmm. to allow the ulcer to heal. Mm -hmm. All right. Also very important is determining what else in their lifestyle may have been contributing mm. to the peptic ulcer disease. So things like alcohol and smoking also mm. contribute to the development of peptic ulcer smoking? disease. Smoking? Yes, I mean, indeed. I can understand
0: the alcohol. It goes in the stomach, you know. Yes, and it, yes, it, it, yes. It, right. But how does smoking, though?
2: So, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, you have to remember that smoking in itself is also a systemic disease and can affect any part of your body. Right. Um, and smoking can cause various changes. So mm-hmm. in terms of those defensive mechanisms of the stomach I was talking about, mm-hmm. it can destroy the lining of that stomach, mm-hmm. for example, and decrease you. blood flow to the area to prevent healing. Mm-hmm. Um So, smoking can contribute in that way. Mm -hmm. Now, various amount of the studies on smoking and alcohol, some have been inconclusive, but they are still regarded as contributing factors Mm. um, to peptic ulcer disease. So, definitely lifestyle changes will play a part Mm -hmm. um, in the treatment of it as well. So, if those were contributing factors, patients would need to stop alcohol, stop Mm -hmm. the smoking. Um, With the NSAIDs also being an important risk factor, Mm -hmm. um, they would have to come off the NSAIDs, we try to find alternative painkillers for them if they are dependent mm-hmm. on painkillers. Mm-hmm. And if they have some patients who are really NSAID-dependent for their pain, those people will definitely have to continue on a proton pump inhibitor to decrease the acid production in the stomach.
0: Mm-hmm. So is it safe to say that peptic ulcers can be cured? Yes. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Because, uh, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, we, we are told, well, you know, they can be treated and with changes over a period of time, you know, the quality of life is enhanced, but is there a total cure? I just wanted to, to have an idea uh, of that. Now, I'm I'm sure that this is an area that you, of course, you're very familiar with because of your course of not only study, but practice. Individuals how often do they present? Let's say on a scale of one to 10 in your practice, how often do you see individuals presenting with this kind of symptom? Because I want to just have an idea of how uh, our population in a broader sense, how it affects our population in a broader sense.
2: So. Right. So, I mean, in my practice and as a general surgeon, I would tend to see the more complicated aspects of the peptic ulcer disease. So we're talking more like the bleeding and perforation when mm-hmm. those patients come to the hospital.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but in general practice, mm-hmm. um, then you will tend to see those patients who have the milder symptoms.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um,
2: And stomach complaints tend to be very common among the Jamaican population. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it is due to peptic ulcer disease or something else is where you have to kind of zone in. Mm -hmm. Um, Because people describe their stomach as varies from their chest coming <laughs> all the way down. So people tell you have stomach pain and we ask them to point, they're pointing all the way up in their chest, almost oh, pointing wow. to their neck. Uh-huh. So you have to kinda <laughs> differentiate what this stomach pain is. Right. Um and then when you kinda localize it now to the actual abdomen and upper part of there, mm-hmm. then you kinda need to differentiate if this is real peptic ulcer disease, if mm-hmm. is if this is this just gastritis, which is just inflammation of the stomach, mm-hmm. versus other things like gallstones, etc., which can also cause similar pain. Mm-hmm. Um so that is where the the differentiation will lie
0: mm-hmm. um somebody's listening right now who perhaps uh, has been diagnosed with this particular uh issue, this particular disease uh what What words of encouragement do you have for such a person?
2: um well, I would like to say if you were diagnosed with it, don't worry um there is hope for sure um it's not something that is permanent. If mm-hmm. you continue to follow the lifestyle modifications, take the medications that are prescribed, it's not something that you have to live with in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, ulcers do heal and you can be pain-free of those ulcers.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: You know, Doc, something popped into my mind. I know you're a, you're a general surgeon, but uh, apart from the antibiotics, that would be a non- Surgical form of treatment. Are there any other non-surgical form of treatment uh, that would assist in healing one who is diagnosed with peptic ulcers?
2: Yeah. So I mean, other than the antibiotics, what I was mentioning was these acid-inhibiting agents, what we call proton pump inhibitors, mm-hmm. which are the more effective forms um, of acid of acid inhibition in the stomach, um, mm-hmm. and that is that is a crucial part of the management as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the acid inhibitors, as I was mentioning, remember, the, the more that definitely mm-hmm. predisposes to peptic ulcer disease when there is this acid hypersecretion in the stomach as mm-hmm. well. Um, so we want to cut back on the amount of acid in the stomach mm-hmm. that would be toxic to the mucosa there. Um, and once that acid cuts down, then the stomach and the mucosa will have a chance to heal and the ulcers will have a chance to heal. Hmm. So if you're diagnosed with an ulcer, in addition to the antibiotics, usually I put on an initial six-week course of these proton pump inhibitors mm-hmm. to allow the ulcer to heal. And then at a further stage, they're reinvestigated with another endoscopy. To confirm that the ulcer has healed.
0: Okay, um, I I know you know many persons who are from the rural parts of Jamaica are listening, right? And even some of our older audience as well, and they're thinking, well, you know, this 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 men really like the pills and the antibiotics and all these kinds <laughs> of medication. You know, I can whip up some home remedy for peptic ulcers. Uh, uh, what, what's what's your take on that? Home remedies for um, peptic
2: ulcers. For peptic ulcers. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let me say that nothing, I am not against home remedies and herbal remedies and stuff like that in general for any medical condition. Um, but you have to be careful with a lot of these substances because we don't always know the full effects of them. Mm -hmm, Um, In mm -hmm. terms of home remedies a lot of times for these stomach complaints people tend to be drawn to milk and things like that Mm. which actually will provide um, ease in the pain because the milk will help to neutralize some of that acid there. Mm -hmm. Um, So they will find some relief but however in terms of also healing in itself it will not necessarily contribute to that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I definitely have learned a lot from this topic and this discussion. Dr. John Anthony Price, General Surgeon. Yes, peptic ulcers was our focus this evening. If you're just tuning in, man, you missed an exciting discussion on uh, peptic ulcer disease. But not to worry, it's a three-part uh, series that we have begun today, of course, focusing on peptic ulcers. Next week, we're going to be focusing on another interesting Interesting issue of the stomach. You can't afford to miss it. Doc, thank you so very much for your time. Thanks for for being here. And um, is there anything else that's critical that you think that individuals with this particular disease should know before we
2: wrap up? Um, Well, what I would want to do is just encourage people who are having any kind of pain in the abdomen to not just sit down and watch it, but please go and get it checked out by your doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want to wait until until these things are too late. We don't Mm -hmm. want to wait till it becomes complicated. Mm -hmm. So go and check it out and you can start treatment so you can be pain free.
0: Wonderful, thank you so very much Dr. John Anthony Price and thank you too for joining us right here on Healthy and Happy it is your education and wellness station NCU FM 91.1 91.3 and 91.5 only on your FM dial want to thank our engineering studio Brandon, Brandon Daly thank you very much sir for allowing uh, yes, us to have clear sound and audio and everything, you know, we appreciate it and we want to also say good evening to our wider production team at the Easter Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. No, thank you so very much. Until next week. Same time, same place. Well, you may be in a different place. But of course, we'll bring to you healthy and happy again. I'm Adise Jonas Murphy. God's richest blessings.